0: Greetings to one and all this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior, the one who commanded us to go and baptize people. It's the first time I preached a baptismal message, and I thank all of you for coming on behalf of the class, your support, It's hard for me not to think back to when I was baptized, as was alluded to earlier. It's a special day. And as I contemplated what to share for each of you up here, and as I remember sitting there years ago, I don't remember much of the service either. I didn't have to give a testimony as well, but I just want to allow God to be honored and glorified by what takes place today. But as I looked into baptism, those of you that know me, I get sidetracked on word studies. And so just for the beginning part, I want to look at some ways that baptism was used in the scripture. I don't know if it'll... Help understand, I I haven't come to a, a good, easy understanding of the word baptize yet, as we look in scripture. And I remember preaching a message about um, marriage, and as I studied that one, the, the more you think of things and, and what these words mean and what God is trying to tell us through these words, we just come up short. In what God is trying to proclaim to us as human people here on earth. And baptism is one of those words. But let's look at some references, some examples maybe, not of baptism, but where it's, where it's used. And what, what it does mean, it comes along with that. Because as a lot of you know here this morning, baptism is more than just the pouring of water on people. The word itself is not used in the Old Testament. The only thing close in the Old Testament would be given through the Levitical law of washing but it doesn't necessarily use the word baptized and as i thought of and reading i i it gave indication that they almost had to have a new word uh made for this you can't go back to the old original language of the natives way 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 back and say oh yeah they just know what this word baptism means some of you would have um, different languages and words can just be from long ago but you can't find the old, old, old original meaning of the word baptized because it was something newer as it came along. As Jesus introduced his work and the plan of salvation in the New Testament, and we we find the word baptism then. Speaking of the New Testament, I I found in all four of the Gospels I'll just read the one in Matthew. Um, These are are references where baptism is used. So we have Matthew 3.11. As you would hear a familiar voice, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire that verse is stated in Matthew as I read there 311 it's very similar in Mark chapter 1 verse 7 and 8 also in Luke 3 chapter 16 or Luke chapter 3 verse 16 and John 1 it's given in verses 26 to 33 we have baptism of water baptism of Holy Spirit and a baptism of fire. Those those are all different. And they would probably come across in different ways. And a new definition maybe of baptism for me was in these four references, being baptized with Holy Ghost and with fire. Fire is not mentioned in Mark and John, so it only gives reference to the um John giving the baptism of 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 water and then he it saying that you know God will Jesus will baptize you with the holy ghost it doesn't mention fire but <clears throat> I couldn't see through the fire quite as much until I read the verses following and I'm I'm kind of getting away from my notes here but I wanted to point out in those verses following and if I maybe I should just turn to it so I have it clear in my mind Matthew 3 it's very sobering Matthew 3 verse 11 says I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance but he that cometh after me is mightier than I whose shoes I am not worthy to bear he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather his wheat into the garner but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Most times we think of Holy Ghost and with fire. Fire was indicated at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. There was a sign of it's a cloven tongues of fire were there on the people. But as I see these verses here, it talks about it says, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And this part of my problem is baptize, baptism, the word kind of gets used around in a in a very, it just reaches into everything. And if you look at this, it's there's a colon after fire, and it says, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor. And I want to present to you that even though we have, Holy Spirit as a symbol of fire for those of you who do not know the Lord this morning you will be baptized into eternal judgment eternal fire because it says he will sort out he will baptize you either he gathers you as wheat or he'll gather you as a chaff and the chaff will be burnt with unquenchable fire fire reflects zeal and if you have the fire of God the fire of spirit in your life you know who you're serving but if you don 't, it says it will be burnt, he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire, and that could even be considered a form of baptism baptism because you 're put into it it 's one of the definitions I got as I studied. The second use it comes across is in Mark um, one chap- chapter 1 verse 4 and it talks about a baptism of repentance it says John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins John his baptism was not of the Holy Spirit it was simply of repentance and we see that in Acts I'm going to turn to that in Acts chapter 19 we see an interesting portion of scripture given and I'm just going to read chapter, Acts chapter 19, 1 through 7 and it basically explains it itself. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, The holy ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied and all the men were about twelve it's interesting to note that the baptism that john did was was somewhat different and it's hard for us to imagine not having the holy ghost and just to be thinking about the one coming that john would say there's another one coming that's greater than i and so john had a baptism of repenting of turning from where you were to what's coming, which would be following the Lord as he, uh, his mission was introduced, his, um, his plan of salvation. As we go to another reference, we see in 1 Corinthians 10.2, it's a short little verse there, but it uses the, um, uses the word baptized again. It says in 1 Corinthians 10.2, and we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea that changes it all around because we're not talking about uh, water not talking about maybe not directly water holy ghost fire we're all of a sudden talking about cloud and the sea now there's water in the sea but it talks about as we know in the moses in the old testament there the cloud and there was fire as well why why does he say that i i don't really know i didn't study it but If you think of baptism it has to do with how the cloud was there and even as they went through the sea. Just an interesting way of the word being used there and it baptized in the cloud and in the sea. Next one I have is suffering and that's brought forth not directly in word but it's in Mark 10. I have it here in my notes Mark 10 38 and 39. It's familiar words again, I think a lot of you will understand it. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized withal shall ye be baptized. I'm stopping kind of in the middle. It was They were talking about who the greatest is. But Jesus used the word baptized as what he said to his disciples. You, you, do you know what you're asking? Can you be baptized with what I'm going to be baptized? And that was the suffering of the cross that was ahead for him. And Jesus says, can you do that? And they said, yes, we can. And he says, you will. And they, as we know, there was. Some of the disciples were were also at least peter we know of was crucified uh, the same way that jesus was and so as we think of baptized they were in the um the suffering it was a form of being like jesus said can you be baptized with what i've been given can you be can you take part in what i've been given to what i've been put into can you take part of it as well and they said yes we can and and as Even in our Sunday school lesson and different things recently, we know that we suffer when we choose to follow Christ. That is what Christ wants, for him to receive honor and glory through suffering. And Like I said, this reference of baptism is Christ's suffering and death on the cross. And some of us, maybe not us today, but some of Christ's followers have experienced that. And then the, I think I have two more just quick here yet. Washing, as I talked about in the Old Testament, but just reading here in my notes again, you don't have to turn to it. Mark seven verse four. And they came from the, and when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing, of cups and pots brazen vessels and of tables for laying aside the commandment of god ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do that was mark 7 verse 4 and also verse 8 when i researched where the word baptism baptism or baptize is used throughout scripture this suddenly had the same original word in here for wash is where it's used in other places for baptized. so you could take this word wash out and put baptize in there because other places in scripture that's what they do this word wash the original word was was baptized and so when you would read it it would sound like and when they came from the market except they baptize they eat not that's talking about their uh dishes and the things that they use they would clean them but scripture uh, in the translation, they, they referred to it as, as a baptizing of the pots and the cups, the um, things that they used in their, in their um, ceremonies and what they did. And one more yet, Colossians 2.12. I just want to mention it. I didn't study to know and understand it. Like I say, the word baptism is, is somewhat difficult. But in Colossians 2.12, it says, Buried with him in baptism wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. So I'm at a loss as to what buried with him in baptism would be, and there could be many, many things that come come from that. So as I look down through this word baptized baptism being used in Scripture, I, I don't have it quite maybe saying what what I mean here, but it just come to me as, as the, this word is, is just one that God is trying to put in place in our minds, and yet the meaning goes beyond, like it, it's, I have down here, the word is just, it's from God, it's of God, and has meaning beyond what we can understand, and we'll see some of that a little bit later too. And I finally get to the original definition of what baptize is. And all the contradictions and theories out there, because it comes from one short little word, what "baptized" means, and it's to dip. And so you can take that lots of ways. But there's also a couple other things that go with it. The drawing of water from one vessel to another, which includes dipping. And another interesting one would be, I don't know the customs or the format or how they did it, but the... Um, the definition kind of putting in here with that the the dipping part is is the dyeing of a garment like clothes when they would dye it with, with coloring of some sort that was baptizing as in they either dipped it or somehow uh, you have to take it kind of for what they're saying but the dyeing of a garment is similar to um, what we try to understand as baptized I am thinking my nervousness up here, and I can just identify with the rest of the class here. I did not give a title to my message, and that's where I'm headed now. My text is going to be from 1 Peter chapter 3, 18 to 22. So, if you want to turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 to 22, I've titled the message "The Answer of a Good Conscience." So I'm not sure if setting the definition of baptism is any benefit for us here in 1 Peter, but I like to try to understand what a word means, and it was good to see the different uses of baptism, where the word was all used. And this might not be the most ideal text for a baptism message, I don't know, but as somebody I was discussing it with um, in the past week here, or so they mentioned this verse in 1 Peter 3 in in 21. talks about baptism a little bit, but the, um, the phrase that went along with that in verse 21, we'll get to it, is the answer of a good conscience toward God. And it really rung true with me just in how it where it starts and where it comes through and to where it finally ends not ends but like where we your transition in your in your spiritual life you this morning where are you at and the end result i couldn't help but think of the class this morning that they can from being in through the instruction classes and the the teaching and their input the discussions we've had and they've expressed it a clear conscience to god and so that's my title as I given to this. And let's read 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 18 to 22. It reads like this, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, <clears throat> the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the spirit by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited <clears throat> in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, But the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Verse 18, just I think going basically down through here in the verses. To each of us that have been born again, we understand Christ hath suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. He took sin, died on the cross, paying the penalty of what is needed to become free and clear before God. It's part of the reconciliation as we, as you go through the, it's probably becoming one of my favorite words maybe is reconciliation. And, It can be very difficult depending on what it is. But how are you going to become reconciled back to God? You have to recognize that Christ also once suffered for sins. The just. He was just. He had no sin in Him. For the unjust. That's us. We were evil. All of us have sinned. And it says that He might bring us to God. or I can think of his reconciliation bringing us back to God and it says how being put to death in the flesh that's what the cross represented the death of self the carnal will in each of us being put to death as it says in the flesh but with that part dying it says but quickened by the spirit when you surrender and gave your heart to life your spirit became alive. You could identify with God and what he's wanting and as the Holy Spirit would come upon you. So in some ways, some would say we are. We're baptized the moment you become a Christian because the Holy Spirit is in your heart and in your life. That's what a little bit wrestling with a physical baptism. The examples you see it physically and yet in the spiritual sense what God wants us to understand is the baptism that we can experience spiritually goes into different things. And you have to, like that's the only way God brings that to you. That's when we surrender and give to God, then we can understand it. Things make sense. And so it says here about Christ dying for our sins, the just for the unjust, bring us to God. With us, the flesh being put to death, but quickened by the Spirit. And the word quickened simply means made alive by the Spirit. And as we know, that takes place. The Spirit, which was dead or not, is, is become alive in us. And we've experienced that new creation, that new creature that comes because we surrender to God. Now as we go to verse 19... We suddenly have some very interesting verses here, and I do not like to skip over verses when they're in a the passage, but as soon as I looked at that a little bit, I thought, there's, I know there's some Bible people, some uh, good, uh, I've discussed with people that are here this morning, and they, they enjoy this type of thing of, what's going on, what's taking place? Verse 19, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison and I don't want to get off track I really don't have any notes or explanation of this Um, it's not hard for you any of you to go research it on your own and see what you could find and learn but it only gives indication there it says by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison Um, I don't think it's out of line to say that when Christ died his spirit was still somewhere and whether it that's when he went and preached to the spirits in prison, I don't know. But Christ knew what work he had, and I think Peter might have known a little bit of the work that Christ had, and it says here that he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. But it continues in verse 20, it doesn't make it any easier, it says, "...which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God awaited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a-preparing, wherein..." Few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. I'm not sure what those spirits had encountered. It says they were disobedient. I'm not sure where they are, when this all took place. Some of that is hard to understand, but it just talks about what may have took place while Noah was building the ark. And as we go into verse 21, Even as I back up to the ark, we're going to get this, they're kind of together. In my small mind, I I couldn't understand what all God was maybe doing when he had the flood. I think there's way more to it than we realize. And that's because of, well, I guess it's maybe in another portion of scripture, but we'll, we'll see if we encounter that or not. So I don't know what to add much about, the, about these spirits that are somewhere, um, but it was noted that it took place, or it says, while God waited in the days of Noah. But then he gets to where he is headed in verse 21. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And maybe just to help you understand where my mind is on, the, on this flood and baptism, I, I took from my NIV study Bible that I had, and it, this is what it said, and it it almost opened, the, opened my mind up into more yet, and I, I just didn't, didn't comprehend, I guess. The NIV study Bible said this. There is a double figure here. The flood symbolizes baptism. Baptism symbolizes salvation. The flood was a figure of baptism in that in both instances, the water that spoke of judgment is the water that saves. And that's where I can't comprehend how one can do both. The ark was born up on the water. That was how it was saved. It, it, was, it didn't sink. It was, it was on the water. But that same water condemned and brought death to everyone else that was there. And it's considered, like it says here, a like figure or an example, a type. It says, where the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us and it went on to say baptism is a symbol of salvation in that it depicts Christ's death, burial and resurrection and our identification with him in these experiences. You know as we're as we're become Christians, we know we got to partake in the death and there's a burial and there's a resurrection. And it says baptism is a symbol of all that and that's where there's lots that could be studied, and, and that one, you know, we're baptized in his death, but then the burial part, but then the resurrection, we're, we're baptized in the resurrection as well, the the new life as we come uh, born again and, and have the power uh, with the resurrection. And I just kind of got, not confused, but just about... Um, in what all God is, is giving to us. And, and His ways are more than what we can, we can know and understand. And it's just a, a, um, a reverence in all and awe in who we are and who God is come through again a little bit with this. But aside from all that, as we look at verse 21, today we observe baptism, but specifically we observe the ordinance of baptism. Ordinance is defined as practices or ceremonies that symbolize spiritual truth. Baptism here today is a physical observance or practice of a spiritual experience that these people in the class have had. And I want to point out this verse can probably bring some... Controversy, if you take it at face value, that says even baptism doth also now save us. If you stop at the end of that, you would say salvation comes from baptism. But once you understand the word baptism, it makes sense. All these things that are combined with baptism, not the physical, the spiritual part of baptism is what saves us. Because we know that there is no outward physical ritual, including physical baptism, that can bring salvation. These people can't be baptized and say, that is what saved me. Physical baptism here this morning. You cannot. It just doesn't work that way. And scripture gives otherwise. Being clean on the outside does not guarantee being clean on the inside. So in that, where we come from, where we're going, and the, where you're at, this is the acknowledgement of being clean on the inside. And the practice or the observance of it in a physical way, as we think of an ordinance. I have down here, it is a public acknowledgement and confession of a good conscience toward God. And I have a couple things here that back that good conscience up, and it's even given in the questions that you might have heard this morning. I'm not sure if Louie read them exactly, but, and I'm not going to read them per se, but I just bring out the idea. How did you get a good conscience? Are any of us here this morning? Number one, you believe in God as the creator of all things. That's basic. That's easy. We understand God made everything. But the second one says about Jesus Christ being the way for salvation. And and I have down here one who believes in, number one, God. But number two, believes and accepts Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of their life. And in Romans it talks about believing on Jesus Christ. And he uses the word Lord in there. Romans 10, 9, and 10. I don't know if I'll turn to it. But when you think and understand the word Lord, that's, that's the one that is going to rule and control your life. And you cannot have a clear conscience without good conscience towards God, without that being part of it. That you have surrendered everything to God and said Lord Lord you are going to be the Lord and then the third one is the Holy Spirit and we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in truth and that's the moving forward from here as you walk your daily life we need the Holy Spirit to guide us and to help us and all of that put together contributes and makes, or gives us, a good conscience toward God. As I was studying, I also found a a different take on baptism. It was referring specifically to the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And I'll just read as I wrote it down here. It says, as you are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, it gives indication to who you are bound to and to who owns you. And I really, I really enjoy, or not enjoy, I, I can identify with that. <laughs> identify. That's what you're going to identify with this morning. God owns you, and you are just publicly confessing and, and allowing people to witness that in your life this morning. End of verse 21 there, it says, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you can't ignore that. That's the, that's the power, is the word that comes to mind when we think of resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus gives us the power to walk in newness of life, and I think that's a phrase coming through in the in the uh, what Louis will be given as well. But if you take this section in verse 21, and if you have your Bibles and really look at it close, right after the word "us" in the phrase, "even baptism doth also now save us," the next thing is a Parentheses, there's a section there. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. That's in in parentheses there. I don't know if that means anything much different. I couldn't tell. It's just kind of fitting that in before. But if you remove that, it would say, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is the power that we have that gives us salvation. That is what the, the final blow and, de- and uh, de- where Christ defeated the powers of darkness was through the resurrection. He was dead, but he rose again. And if you want to say baptism saves us, yes, but it says by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just another, another indication of what all takes place in baptism. And then verse 22, it says, Who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. The Trinity, Jesus Christ, God, he says he's went to heaven and is on the right hand of God. We have an all-powerful, just the omnipotence of God, Coming through here as the means for us to go forward from here on as Christians. God is on the right, or Jesus is on the right hand of God. I was looking for that verse that says about He intercedes for us, but I found a couple of indicators, and I'm, maybe I just missed the verse totally. But it gives the idea that Jesus is sitting on the right hand that's maybe what's being put together a little bit but he's interceding for us and that's where it is today and it's just a means of encouragement for us that we can have that we are not alone, we have God with us, his Holy Spirit and he will come again as we know to take us to be with him so as I Look at what this is, whether it's a message for you as a class or the ones that are here. I think there's encouragement for all of us. And that encouragement or question for you today, is your conscience clear before God? If you're not a Christian today, you have opportunity to open up your heart to God as he calls you to come to him. And those of us that are Christian, and you've been baptized, and you remember the commitment you've made, are you still purposing in your heart to follow through with what you committed? I was younger when I was baptized. I faintly remember those I do's and I am, the commitments that you make. And it came to mind... what it would be like in my mind to be up here with this class this morning just to feel that baptism again. We don't need it. Those of us that are Christian have been baptized. We don't need that baptism again. We've made those commitments. But as you think how you're following through with that, And the one for me, I think the only phrase I really remember, at least to a distinct amount, is in one of the, the vows that you make. It talked, and in my mind all I could remember was two, two or three words. It was renounce, Satan, and darkness. And all I remember was that I didn't want nothing to do with them. I think I was thirteen when I was baptized. If I did the math correctly and that stuck in my mind. and it was nothing more than the holy spirit given direction in my life that you want nothing to do with satan and darkness you're a follower of jesus in the kingdom excuse me in the kingdom of light and each of us have to decide where we're going to go with that So in conclusion here to the class, I would like to read some verses yet for you. And they're just right back from 1 Peter. Here where we're reading. I'm going to start in verse 8. They're verses of encouragement as we encourage each other here. As you begin, you have begun, as you go through life, as you walk with God, as you walk with Jesus, There's a lot of encouragement here. I just want you to take this, verses 8 through 17, and hold to them. It's a mix of encouragement, commands, what to do. But I just found a, if you're not sure what you're going to do from here on, this will give you some things. For all of us, not just the ones in the class. I'm going to read verses 8 through 17. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto unto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life, and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil, and do good. Let him seek peace, and pursue it, and sue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you, if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terrors, neither be ye troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evil doers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For if it, for it is better if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well doing, than for evil doing. I know it's passage maybe more about suffering and how, but what we're going to experience in Christ. But just take my conclusion, my encouragement to each of you, just for. Uh, You as a class. Verse 13. Who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? You don't have to be fearful. God will take care of you. And then in verse 16. Having a good conscience. My encouragement to you is is to continue on with a good conscience, a clear conscience. And that all of us here this morning would we'll look at our own lives and answer the question whether or not we have a good conscience toward God so may God bless you as you experience physical baptism and as you have experienced spiritual baptism in your life as you walk with Christ